What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to the Rule of Three podcast, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron Podcasting Network. And today, while normally Rule of Three would be comprised of me, Danny Meehan, and Brandon Robinson, it's looking like it's just Rule of Two, as Brandon can't make it, he's a little under the weather, but we've got a Bears schedule release to talk about, and a couple Justin Fields rookie minicamp practices that, Danny, let's be honest, we'll have to get into that later, because I actually think that factors into the schedule. We knew the Bears' opponents. Definitely does. We knew their home and aways, but I didn't expect their home and aways to be back to back to back. Every single week is a travel week. It's a brutal schedule. Feels like it got a little more brutal. And I, I understand like everything's positive in Chicago right now. We've got Justin Fields, but man, I look at this thing. Am I crazy for seeing a gauntlet that the Bears have to walk through this year? No, because I see it too, and I know the the graphic came out that at the last three teams that have had the home away home away for all sixteen games, like were they were constantly on the road. Like I believe all three of those teams made the playoffs, is what the graphic said. But <laughs> those teams also were, you know, good teams. If memory serves, I, I wish I could remember what the graphic was, but I do remember seeing it surface. But it's not a it's not a great you know, start to the season. You know, you're going, I believe they started primetime in Los Angeles against the Rams in AD 99 and their, their new shiny toy at quarterback, Matt Stafford, and then they come home. Like, that's not a short trip. <laughs> like, no. Especially because we're not, we're still not in a normal world. You know, we're still in a pandemic. They're still going to be having to abide by certain restrictions and whatnot. I don't, I don't feel great about this. Uh, Full disclosure, like, I really don't feel great about the season, as it were, other than the fact that they, they might, they, in my opinion, they probably found the dude at quarterback. Which, that, hey, can we be honest? That's a big step. <laughs> that's, that's as positive as you can get in Chicago. And I, I want to talk about Justin Fields stuff later. I think it matters. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're definitely going to talk about it later. More that I, I agree with you, but we could get into that in a second. I think the funniest part about schedule conversation, so man, I learned this. I wouldn't call it the hard way because an analyst in the internet getting something wrong, I mean, like, that's that's as common as the sun rising tomorrow, you know? But uh, I, I remember I remember two years ago, I did a whole show on schedule projection, walking through each game, talking about what I thought it would look like, and then the season came around, and Drew Brees was hurt, and this team was bad, and that team was better than expected, etc., 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 and suddenly I realized just how much like league-wide projection this thing involves. So I like to talk about the record in a cloud, and this looks to me... The funny thing about this Bears team is that I am more than willing to be one of those guys that says Matt Nagy has a 28-22 and 22 two-playoff appearance record with Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel, and Nick Foles. So how does it look with Andy Dalton, Justin Fields? I mean, hopefully a little better. Let's use that word hopefully and get into the Fields discussion later. But we don't know, Danny, whether these Los Angeles Rams are going to be the team we expect them to be. Like – 
I'll say it if you won't. Their defense just lost Brandon Staley. A lot of these defenses regress heavily after a change of defensive coordinator and don't Bears fans know it. I don't even think Chuck Pagano was that bad, but the switch from Fangio to anybody else came at a price. So then Matt Stafford's going to be playing his first game in a still unusual offseason against a Chicago Bears defense that, I mean, we're hoping it's a little stingy. We'll see. The point being that there's some variance there. You don't know how Trey Lance is going to mesh with the 49ers. We're not sure who's playing quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. There are the Arizona game. I keep looking at that one. And if Kyler and Cliff Kingsbury and that offense finally turn it around and they are a juggernaut, that's an extremely tough game. But if they're the meager, did they finish 7-9 and nine last year? Or was it square 8-8? Eight and eight? I think it was 7-9, and nine, wasn't it? I thought the Cardinals were 7-9. and nine. I'll jump right. back on it right if, now. If they're another meager season, then that game's easier too. I'm not about to sit here and project a like some wild 12 and 5 season. I've got to remember they the 17 were, games. They, they were we both took a win away from them. They were an even 8 and 8. Nice. Okay. Uh, they, but, sco- they scored 410 points last year. They did. They just gave up quite a few points. <laughs> uh, and that that's why I look at this Danny and I feel like the Bears record now if I was going to look at it, it has more variance in it than I've seen in a long time. They could be 7-10 and 10, easily. They could even be 6-11. and 11. They could be an 11-game winner, even 12, if the division takes a dive with Aaron Rodgers like walking out or Justin Fields becoming that dude. That makes a huge difference on your team. And it, it, we just talked about how hard the schedule is. So I asked you how crazy I was on that. Do you think I'm nuts for looking at this Bears schedule, even as it is, and seeing potential that if you really wanted to pump that hope, there's real reason to do so, but the stars kind of have to align. And they just did with Justin Fields, but the stars aligning twice, I wouldn't say the chances are like slim to none, but they're kind of low. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be before I really get into my thoughts on the schedule further. I would like to tell you that schedule release day has never done much for me. <laughs> we we already knew who they were playing. Like, I don't understand the like the gravity of the situation. I guess maybe like everyone's like, oh my god, we find out their schedule today. Like, we already kind of know the schedule. It's just what order is it now? Like, like. You know, but that's just my personal opinion. I I, I know my co-host on our other podcast, the, the under the rule of three umbrella, the Lunch Pail Draftcast. You know, Jacob and Fonte and I were talking about it. Are we like the only ones here who just don't care that they're giving us the order of the games? <laughs> like, it, was, it was just kind of a funny situation. But yeah, you you know, looking at it for the stars to align, it were to, as it were. Like, you have to get off to a hot start and hope to start two and two, three and two, because your season is opening with the Rams. Then you go to the Bengals, right? So it's Rams, Bengals, Browns, Lions, Raiders. So nailed it so that, far. Those are that's your stretch to. Stack potentially because you might catch the you don't know what the Rams are yet. And like you said, you brought up the 
the, the natural regression of losing Brandon Staley. I don't know how regressed you're going to be when you still have the arguable best corner in football, for my money, the best corner in football in Jalen oh, Ramsey, yeah. and the best defensive player in the league wearing number 99, jumping up and down on your offensive lineman's head all day because he's better than you. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny you say that. So I can tell you how it happens, and we've seen it in Chicago. You know this, Danny. Defense is a weak leak or weak link gambit. And you have to basically, it's not just how strong is your best player. It's how strong is your worst player. Worst and player. offense right. doesn't have to deal with that. The, the big guy that I look at in the Rams defense that I keep asking myself, how much do they change without him is John Johnson, who is still on the Bears schedule in Cleveland, which is not great. But John Johnson, for anybody who's never heard his name, is a free safety with, I mean, all the range skills of Eddie Jackson. That's going to sound ridiculous. But watching him on tape, he is everywhere. And the problem is, like you're talking about, Danny, one really good corner and an incredible defensive lineman. You still need a supporting cast, especially if that protection over the top isn't there anymore. I am not trying to say the Rams are going to be bad. But what I will say is, is that they just had a phenomenal year and lost some key pieces, John Johnson being the biggest loss, so we don't know what they'll look like. And sometimes, I know you've seen this, Danny, well, what do you think it is? Every year there's five, six teams in the NFL that have that week one wake up where their fans smell the coffee and suddenly realize, this isn't going to be the season that I wanted it to be, is it? And the Bears had that in 2019 in a big way. And they, so I would say they even had it in me 2020. Every year since I was 15. Got it. <laughs> but you know what I mean, where you suddenly look around the league and you go, oh, maybe the Jaguars won't be Titans. Oh, maybe that team yeah. isn't going to be. I think Cleveland suffered from this last year, where they came into the league with what? Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis, Jarvis Landry, Landry, just weapons on, weapons on weapons. And then they came out, and I think they got stomped in week one by, what was it, the Steelers? Steelers, yeah. Went, you're, you're, that was the oh. 2019 Ra Raven, or, uh, Browns, right? It might like, be. I'm, I could easily yeah, be Because last confused. year the Browns made the playoffs. Yeah, well, they ended up I, – I know the Browns collected themselves and became quite a very good team by the end of the season. You're right. I may be thinking of 2019. I think you're thinking. 2019 because that was pre-Stefanski. Right. So, but regardless, this isn't a Brown show, damn it. Let's... Hey, it's just about how we look at all <laughs> these teams and we either, because I know I do this too, we either say, well, they were really good in 2019, so they'll be good in 2020. 2020. Or we say, 2020, well, yeah. they got, or yeah, really good in 2020, so they'll be good in 2021. Thank you. Or, or we say, well, they got that piece, so they're going to be really good. And we do that all the time. And if we were going to apply that same logic to the Bears, the Bears got Justin Fields and Seven Jenkins, they should be pretty spicy. But we all know the truth that not everybody integrates that easily, you know? Not every Absolutely. integration is a swimming one. I'm really curious to see how things roll. For instance, the Vegas game, 3 p.m., October 10th. Bears could easily, let's say things happen chalk, right? They lose to the Rams, they beat the Bengals, they lose to the Browns, they beat the Lions. That Raiders game, like you're talking about, could very well be an early season rubber match because the difference between 3-2 and two and 2-3 two and three at that two point three. might be everything. You know what I mean? And that, that's a game, if you want to talk about the stars aligning, specifically that Raiders game, 
and the Lions the week before that, those are your, your gimmies. You have to win those games because when you, when you get past that, you know, after that Raiders rubber match, as you called it, you have Green Bay in the rating MVP. I know he's pissed. I know whatever. He may Maybe. not be there. He, he, he <laughs> may not, he may be there. He may not be there. I think, you know, err on the side of caution. Assume sure. tw- assume 12 is going to be playing quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And then after that, you have the defending champions. Now, <laughs> I <laughs> I say it, I feel like I've been saying it now six years for Tom Brady. At any point, he could fall off a cliff. Like, we just, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> is he going to? I don't think smart money is to say, yeah, Tom, TB12, the, 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 the most best winning quarterback of all time is just going to fall off a cliff. He, he's made me shut up many times over it. Like, but, like I said, the, the, those are your gimmies, because then you have the Niners the week after that, and I think the mm-hmm. Niners are, I don't think they're as bad as they showed last year. I really don't. I think that was their, you know, it's, it, just, it just goes to show you how much of a quarterback league it is that, Nick Mullins sucks and Jimmy Garoppolo kind of suck. Like it's just like here's your shitty quarterbacks. Let's go. Who may dealt with uh, what ten other injuries? Like many of them focused on offense to the point where they were basically playing a backup offensive line, backup tight end, backup wide receivers, and, and Nick Mullins. Yeah, and then this goes to show you the the kind of just delving into what you and I and Brandon have all talked about to the show at length was we never know what Nagy's thing was. Yet somehow, with this shell of an offense under Kyle Shanahan, they still were able to run outside zone, effectively. Like, it's just, it's funny to me, but I digress. Um, You know, and then you got the Steelers, and I don't think this, I think the Steelers had their last hurrah last year, as we're just going through the schedule, you know, with the Big Ben thing, and... I think Ben's just kind of one foot out the door at this point. Like, he's just not retiring because he wants his money. Mentally, body, or yes? A little bit of both. Like, his I body. I think it's a lot of body. It's a lot of body. But, you know, the, 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 if you lurk around Steelers' world at all, like, you, you kind of learn that his best friend was Pouncey, and they had always talked about retiring and riding off into the sunset together. You don't think his buddy retiring a year before him is going to, like – I'm not saying it's going to affect him, but, like, it's just, like, that's there in his mind. Like, he's probably thinking about it. Sure. <laughs> he's been his starting center for a decade or something like that, like eight, ten years, something like that. I don't know the exact mm-hmm. number off the top of my head. But, like, to your point, Robert, just to kind of put a bow on it, on the initial thought, if you want to see the Bears – close to 500 or maybe competing for a playoff spot, you got to get off to a hot start. Those are your easy, your, your gimmies as it were almost on the beginning of the year where you have the Bengals and Joe Burrow coming off of an injury. You have the lions and the Raiders where you could easily start three and two. And that's kind of what they need to do if they want any prayer. You know, or am I off on an island and feeling like that? 
Oh, I don't think you're off on an island at all. I think William Rowe brought a great point in the comment section that of all the seasons to say it, and obviously it makes a big difference literally every year, but of all the seasons to say it, Danny, this is the year for the Bears to dominate their division games if they want to make the playoffs. Because whether it's that they have to weather the storm early on, because I look at three and two, and I don't think of that as a hot start. The Bears started five and one last year. Like, that's a hot start. The Bears have to look at this early part of the game with tough games against the Rams and the Browns, probably, and the Packers and the Buccaneers following up that first five. They've got to weather a pretty rough storm here early on, but then they get two big games against the Vikings, a late-season game against the Packers. They've got their Lions games up front. Hopefully they take care of business in those. And depending on the weather, they've got, to come out with wins in those divisional games. And you know what? The funny thing is, is that they, they kind of, they probably can. I mean, this is a bears team that again, I mean, Mitch Trubisky, if memory serves, had a sterling record against the Vikings and the lions with Matt Nagy. So I don't know if that necessarily means incredible upgrade. Justin Fields is never going to lose to the guys in purple, but I mean, early returns on field seem to be pretty high. And Danny, now we're finally able to break the embargo here. I mean, let's be honest. Part of the schedule projection comes in, comes with trying to figure out where in the world Justin Fields is going to start, right? So let me kind of preface this. And I know our listeners and you guys know I am – I like the idea of sitting a quarterback, not because I don't think Justin Fields is ready. I think in terms of readiness as a rookie, you're not going to get much more ready than this kid. Sands, maybe the kid that went to Jacksonville. That's that's it. He's you know he he very intelligent kid. He was recruited by Harvard. We all know the stories. Now, a lot of this though isn't, and I fully agree with our buddy James Fox when it comes to something like this. When it's like a quarterback playing early, if he has a crappy season, isn't going to make or break his career. That's not what I believe when I say let the kid sit. I think more Derek, or not, not Derek Carr, David Carr, his older brother. You're thinking of David, aren't you? David Carr. Yeah, where, da- where, yeah, where, it's not that I thought, that no one could thought David Carr was going to be a terrible quarterback. But I, oh, it's the same reason I wanted nothing to do with Sam Darnold. When you start getting hit and hit and hit and hit, it doesn't matter how good you are. If you when you start seeing ghosts, it's over. That's the hardest thing to overcome for a quarterback. When you just have been beaten to the ground, defense, defense defenses eh, that you've been playing against for your first few years. Like, and I just don't like that idea of early on, especially week one. Week one is just like you're starting a new offensive line, essentially with Tevin Jenkins playing a side that isn't his more quote-unquote natural side. You've got a right tackle that's Jermaine Afedi, who did play better to end the year, but still is, you know, last time I checked, it, he, he is still Jermaine Afedi. You know? And you're then relying on Sam Mustafer and Cody Whitehair and James Daniels, which James Daniels did show out, which gave everyone the, the hope that he was a stud guard. And a matchup against Donald a couple of years ago, but you know it's more like, do you ju- would would I have qualms? I guess is what I'm getting at. If 
they just threw Justin right to the wolves because he was just outright so much better than Andy Dalton going through camps and practices. No, absolutely not. I would totally understand it. But if you have any reservations about the offensive line as a coaching staff, that's the part I struggle with because I don't want to get him killed. And I get that he's 6'3 and 225 pounds and he's built like a truck. I get it. But at the same time, everyone in the NFL is built like a truck. Right. Cam Newton wore down eventually. You see what I'm saying? Andrew Luck broke down. So, like, to all surmise, these... Danny, you're saying you love the Bears and you love the Justin Fields pick too much to waste it on early games if they don't think he's ready. Not him right, being ready, the line being ready. Okay. That, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to get him killed. Right. So if it takes a couple weeks for you to feel comfortable with the line cohesion and working within it, because you and I are on the same page when it comes to line, Robert, truthfully, I'd rather have five guys who are average to slightly above who play with every snap with each other and they learn each other's nuances and splits and everything. And so they understand how to play with one another versus Mm -hmm. here is Jason Peters in Philadelphia years and years ago. He's an all pro every year, but the other four guys suck. The Joe Thomas (laughs) effect, right? Incredible offensive lineman. Not that you'd have ever noted it by wins and losses. Right. So you and I are on the same page with that, but I almost want them because the line is going to be literally, you know, 40% new guys, like playing new positions, no less. Like, I just want him to get get it right, I guess, before they throw right. him out there. Like I said, I don't think Justin's going to have much of a learning curve. I really don't. He's a smart kid. Mm-hmm. Immensely so. Much smarter than the two of us talking on this damn podcast. Much. You know? So I, I have no doubt that he's ready. If he was Trey Lance, then yes, I would be saying, yeah, he's throwing less than 450 passes in his whole career. Mm-hmm. In matter mattering games between college and high school. Yeah, let him sit. Let him learn a little bit. Let him get acclimated to everything in practices. I don't think you got to worry about that with Justin Fields. When he played at Georgia, he was good. He was clearly very good at Ohio State. I don't have much worry about the kid, other than I don't want him to die. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know what? That's a pretty solid worry. We're going to step aside for a little bit to let our sponsors get a word in, but we'll continue this conversation right on the other side of it because I know I've got a lot to say about this. Can't wait to talk about it. Give us just a second. And we are back with the Rule of Three podcast. I'm Robert Schmitz, your host, along here with Danny Meehan on this special episode of Rule of Two as we go through the schedule. And it's time to talk about these Justin Fields rookie minicamps because – At least what I'm seeing, Danny, I'm going to cut straight to the thick of the matter here. One thing that's hilarious is that I'm seeing so many of these reporters talk about how Justin Fields just looks marvelous. This just feels different. This is awesome. He's accurate. He's this. Like, everything that you want to hear, and all I keep finding myself saying, Danny, and it's not even to be some kind of a weird smart aleck, it's just if you watch Justin Fields' tape, with a neutral eye, it is not going to shock you that in early rookie minicamp practices where they're not doing anything particularly special, he's going to look special. Justin Fields has a special arm. 
Justin Fields is special accurate. Justin Fields is a special kind of player. That's why the Bears were – that's why there's been so much fanfare about taking him. I mean, am I crazy here, Danny, for thinking – I know it's the third time I've asked you this this show, but, like, of all of the avenues and the venues for Justin Fields to perform in, this is one where I think we all knew he was going to shine. Like, you watch that tape, there's no doubt he can take a snap from under center just fine. He can find his receiver in stride just fine. I mean, these are all the things that he did in real games in the Big Ten, even in a shortened season, but also in 2019. So I'm just not shocked to hear that it's going on in rookie minicamp, and I don't necessarily think it means he's ahead of schedule. You know what I mean? No, and and you're absolutely right. These are the same dudes he was cutting up in live games when things were at stake at Ohio State. Did you honestly think if he was doing it at a high level – that he would come in and not do it at practice. Like, come on, it's rookie minicamp. Now, I I do expect, especially with, you know, some of the dudes on defense still, you know, especially if Jalen Johnson is who I think he is and his shoulders are okay, he's going to have moments for Jalen Johnson or or Eddie Jackson. But that's like normal camp. I'm okay. I think normal camp returns mean a little more than rookie minicamp. I get what you're saying now. Yeah, rookie minicamp doesn't mean really anything aside from getting these dudes in the building and just and, getting them to see in person. Like, like it's the same thing. Like everyone's like completely shocked that Daz Newsom is apparently tearing it up at rookie minicamp. Really, Daz Newsom was a really good college football player, like a really good one. He's playing a bunch with a bunch of college kids. Like, right? He's not playing and lining up against. NFL people yet like obviously they're in the NFL but they're not veterans and dudes who have been doing this forever right I mean the NFL's ruthless Danny you've talked about it where it's like Tevin Jenkins left tackle welcome to it you're gonna have to line up against Khalil Mack in practice and uh, at some point on the season probably Nick Bosa you don't get some kind of special rookie package where you play other people at your level you're the also left getting Miles Garrett early in the year. Exactly. Or you're getting Jadavion. Like, you're going to get these dudes who are just going to eat your lunch. Sure. <laughs> and if anything, I guess, just to make sure that we're clear that it's not like, it's not as if Justin Fields playing well at rookie minicamp is bad. Really, all it means is that he's the real deal. Or at least that he is who we think he was. To quote that famous right. Bears-like presser. J- or, this is not Mitch Trubisky. This is not a project that's going to take years, and then maybe the Bears will pay dividends on it. This is a guy who you drafted because you knew he was special, and it was a matter of, well, just how special is he on the football field? I can't wait to see what happens when the pads come on and the veterans hit the field because I think that's where Justin's going to get like the most learning done. And obviously, it's great to hear he's playing well in rookie minicamp, and if anything, it does make me look at Danny just to make sure that we also stay like ever so slightly focused on the schedule conversation. It does sure. make me think that there is a chance here that the Bears could let Fields compete for the starting job directly. I mean, you listen to his don't vernacular. you kind don't you yeah. kind of hope they do? Yes, like I do. In all reality, like let's be real here, we. I mean, we've all been in locker rooms. <laughs> Play on words. We're in the locker room right now. <laughs> but um, but uh, 
like we've all been around athletes at some level, but middle school, high school, or if you played college or club in college, where you knew someone was just better than everyone else. Right. It it happens in the pros too. Or worse, I these... I've, I've felt the other one too, where everybody in the locker room knows that that guy is not as good as that guy, but he's playing yeah. above him. You know exactly. You don't think these dudes are going to go to training camp and understand that, like, if Justin Fields is just outright so much better than Andy Dalton, that you, at a certain point as a coach, you can't justify it. Like, you're going. I mean, that's how how you divide a locker room almost. I mean, come on, I'm getting this right, aren't I? That Justin Jefferson, the Vikings wide receiver who just absolutely blew up last year went on Colin Cowherd's show and basically said as much that the Vikings were trying to think about planning after Kirk Cousins and called Justin a superstar immediately. Like, these are, sure, it's just a media appearance. It's just this. It's just that. But I Where he also proceeded about, to just obliterate Kirk? Yeah. I mean, just... I didn't hear this stuff about Trubisky. I've been hearing this stuff about guys like Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes. Like, Justin Fields is either going to be an incredibly overhyped nightmare player, or he's going to be who people think he's going to be. And if it's the latter, which I certainly hope it is, I think he's going to be really, really good. And like you're saying, I just, I look at him. So if I was a coach and I'm not a coach, but if I was a coach and I was going to go into training camp and I was going to have a quarterback competition, one of the biggest things would be accuracy and ability to distribute the ball correctly. One of the things that keeps showing up on Justin Fields' tape, one of the things that keeps showing up, it sounds like in practice, is that Justin Fields is frighteningly accurate at all levels of the field. He can throw downfield, 40-yard bomb, off-platform because somebody's in his face, no problem. And Danny, you have probably saw it. The, I think the storyline, not enough people talk about, Ohio State's offensive line allowed a lot of pressure. Like a lot yeah. more pressure than you would expect the best team in the country to allow. And Fields was whether it was sliding in the pocket, stepping up in the pocket, or throwing while getting hit, like old school 1990s football kind of thing. Fields had to deal with all of it, spent a lot of time on the turf. And so coming to the NFL, if the Bears can deliver a B-grade offensive line, I think he'll be just fine. Like, I'm with you. I want the offensive line to be settled, a.k.a. not bad. Like, don't give Justin Fields what Nick Foles had to deal with in against Tennessee, against Los Angeles, <laughs> against some of those teams where he was just running for his life. And Nick Foles is not the athlete Justin Fields is. But as long Nowhere as he's near. got the absolutely Mitch Trubisky not. offensive line, I'm, I'm A-OK with this. Like, yeah, abso- I, don't see, I don't see how Justin Fields, according to his profile, doesn't distinguish himself in camp over an Andy Dalton who look Andy Dalton's been a starter in this league forever like I was thinking about this just yesterday to get off on a slight tangent here Danny you have a multi-year like old franchise quarterback and a Super Bowl MVP backup in your quarterback room it's actually pretty solid for mentoring a rookie like you have two very different perspectives, guys that have lived very different NFL careers, but that I think we would all say they've both been very successful in the NFL, and that, you could probably glean a lot of great practice habits from them. Not to be like, hey, every team should pay $16 million for two separate quarterbacks to mentor their rookie, but from everything we've heard of both Andy and Nick, the professional, not just stats on a football field, 
they could be really great for or for Justin Fields on the sideline, given that it seems as if the Bears can't find a suitor for Foles, and that kind of makes all the sense in the world based on last year. But I keep yeah. looking at Fields, asking myself, how does he not win the job if they're running fairly vanilla offense and it's just a matter of who can hit Darnell Mooney 45 yards downfield? Because I can tell you right now, that's not Andy's game, but it's Justin's. You know well, what I yeah, mean? And to your point, and to your point, it's not like a slight or a dig at Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton had a, has had a really good NFL career. And, and I know it, he, especially of late, Andy became a bit of a punching bag. Really go look at like his, I want to say it's like his 13 to 16 seasons. Andy Dalton was a legitimate NFL starting quarterback. Legitimate N- MVP like, candidate in 2015. That was a real discussion. Yeah. Like, before he broke his thumb, right? So, I know he's a punching bag, and I, I will stand by it. If Justin Fields wasn't on this roster, and I know you guys heard it all last year, the three best quarterbacks Allen Robinson has ever played with are all on this roster right damn now. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and... <laughs> it's not a great bar, but I do want to pose a kind of a fun hypothetical to you. And I, I, I use it as sure. you well know, Robert, I spend far too much time watching college tape and I know you delve into it specifically a lot more after the draft. Yes, I do. And I, I, I always talk about with like younger quarterbacks um, needing to recalibrate what is open and what's not open. Because in the NFL, truly, outside of a busted coverage, no one's really open. It's more or less like, oh, he's got a quarter step. That's open. Like, like I don't think people understand how not open guys are in the NFL, that it's just so fast and windows disappear so quickly. You have to recalibrate what's open and what's not. And that's why guys like DeAndre Hopkins, for instance, are always open. Because they're never open, but they're always catching the ball. You know, so I I'm using this to kind of segue into you hear all these reports about about like how awesome Fields looks at rookie minicamp and rightfully so. Do you think that the reporters are almost having to recalibrate what a quarterback looks like because they're just like, yeah, like they haven't seen a good quarterback in so long. Like, right. Like, when's the last time they saw a legitimate quarterback throwing throwing missiles? Probably Cutler. Cutler. Probably Cutler. So, yeah, so it's been, what, five, six years now since Cutler left? And it's funny you mentioned Cutler, because I thought you were going to go a completely different direction here, talking about recalibrating what is and isn't open. If there's one thing, probably two things, right? There are no, two it's things. literally just, I was, like, the reporters having to recalibrate what they're seeing. Like, oh, oh yeah. but this is I'll what t- this is supposed to look like. I'll take this moment to give some insight on fields that I think you're going to agree with here, Danny. If I, I try whenever I go through the camp stuff, like or not camp stuff, like rookie film, right? I go through and I try to list what is the rookie good at and where do I have questions, right? Daz Newsom right. has basically the same profile as David Montgomery, but it's for a wide receiver. I love a lot of the little things Daz Newsom does. I just need to see that he has NFL speed. And that was always my question with Montgomery, and it ended up being kind of an issue, you know? But right. that's this isn't to turn that into a Montgomery talk. It's more that with Justin Fields, the number one thing that I see on film is the number one thing that I saw on Cutler's film is the number one thing that I saw on Derek Carr's film is that a lot of these guys with 
ridiculous arm strength, and Justin Fields' arm strength is ridiculous. They know that they can wait that little bit longer to ID whether somebody's open or not and just fastball the ball into the window, and that doesn't work as well in the NFL. You have to throw with a little bit of anticipation. And you look at a guy like Kyle Trask or Nick Foles, both of these guys do the same thing. Hard to know whether Trask will actually play at Nick Foles' level because as much as we bag on Nick Foles, he's had quite the NFL career here. But Foles, for instance, has to throw with insane anticipation to get a completion because his arm just isn't that big. It's bigger than people think it is, but you can't throw a touch pass like in a see-it-throw-it manner. Justin Fields, on the other hand, that's been his life. So he definitely needs to, like you're talking about, one of the things that he'll have to do in training camp, in real NFL games, is learn to see or trust that his wide receiver is going to be where he expects him to be and deliver the ball. Absolutely. Sure, you, you don't have to throw with anticipation on everything. Like when a guy's running mesh and you get the linebacker to clip and your guy's running wide open, yeah, t- take all the time you want. Like just deliver the ball in a yakable position and go from there. But things like corner outs and whatnot, the ball's got to be out of your hand as Mooney's breaking, not that step afterwards, or else it's going to be tough for him to get both feet down on the sidelines because this just isn't a one-foot game anymore. Bright side is, Fields' accuracy is just nutty. I mean, I'm watching his film. I am shocked with a capital S at how much his incompletions surprise me. They shouldn't be this rare, you know? It shouldn't be so rare that I say to myself, oh, that guy's open. Oh, wow, yeah, Fields left the ball just a little too far. Like, it is so rare that it is, it's stumping me at the very least. So we'll see what happens. But I look, and I think the reporters definitely need to recalibrate themselves a little bit. I mean, this is, this yeah, is, yeah, I just thought it was kind of a funny comment. That's all. Oh, like, just, but, but it's like, real hey. though, where Jay Cutler, <laughs> Jay Cutler had this same issue. You talked about the Derek Carr or David Carr sacks thing. I think Cutler went through it. I think the Bears watched a very good quarterback prospect, get himself shelled uh, with those early March seasons. And I don't know if it was ever the same. Maybe he would have had the same career, but he was throwing 4,000 yards in Denver season, or like right at, or season after season of memory serves, came to Chicago, could not replicate it. He had had a Pro Bowl 4,000-yard season prior to getting traded to Chicago. Right. Uh, And what's his name? The offensive coordinator, McDaniels, came in basically made it known that Cutler wasn't his guy through back channels. Cutler right. got wind of it. And Cutler's, Cutler's a prickly personality, as we all yes, know. As and we just all know. Kind of made it, has, just kind of made it known, like, hey, I don't want to be here anymore. Like, right. Thanks, but no thanks. Which is why yes. it's so funny that everyone is like, it's this brand new like phenomena with like Russ and Rodgers. Like, no, dude, this has been going on. Quarterbacks who are unhappy can force a situation. They <laughs> yeah. just can. Yes, they but, can. But what'll be really interesting to see, Danny, you talked about this. Another thing that I've seen on Fields' film, this is not a criticism. It's more just for anybody out there wondering what Fields' play style is, you would never know he has a 4-4 or can run a 4-4 because he just doesn't doesn't take off. He doesn't doesn't take off if he doesn't have to. Like, he wants to throw. He wants to slide around, find that open area, and distribute the ball. And he he can cut through a shocking amount of hits. I mean... I've watched him, especially like in the Rutgers game, if you want just a great example of what Fields can do from the pocket, not only is he delivering strikes because he's just phenomenal in that game, but he's ducking rushers left and right. 
But even so, I remember a play, I'll probably get it up on Twitter or in an article somewhere, where he had the whole left side of the field to take off and run if he was, um, I mean, you want to use some examples. If he was Gardner Minshew, he would have done it. If he was Baker Mayfield, he would have done it. If he was Mr. Bisky, he would have done it. If he was Kyler Murray, he would have done it. But Fields stopped, looked back downfield, and ended up beating a sack. So like you talked about, Danny, this is not just, oh, mobile quarterback. Offensive line doesn't need to be that great. Fields is expecting to have a pocket because he wants so to throw it's, the it's ball. It's funny you bring that up because I, I try to avoid player comps as much as I can because we tend to devolve into like just like oh he went to the same school or he he's a similar complexion whatever right. But I actually like the the kind of comp I kind of kept coming back to was a mixture of like young Donovan McNabb with Tony Romo. That's kind of what I was coming back to with his play style because both were better athletes than you thought, which obviously we know Justin Fields is a phenomenal athlete. But they didn't want to go run around if they didn't have to. It's where, like, I do understand people saying, like, a more accurate Cam Newton because that's something that I think gets lost, too. Cam doesn't really – especially, like, like MVP and on Cam, Cam didn't want to run. He wanted to be a quarterback. Except for the and, plays where he had a called run. Right. But that's that was just <laughs> them using his his gifts. But it's not like he's sure. like Lamar Jackson or Michael. It's not slandering those guys. Those are Vic and Jackson are two of my all time favorite football players to just watch play football. Because it's fun. <laughs> right. It's just a different kind of mentality. And I also want to sit here and say that Fields is not Lamar Jackson in terms well, of that athleticism. They're extremely like, <laughs> different players. I don't think Lamar, right. and I, I hope that this isn't somehow Lamar slander. I know sometimes Lamar stands can be kind of sensitive. Um, uh, sorry. But a lot of people have a lot of hardcore, awesome fans. They are great. I don't think Lamar is as near as accurate as Justin Fields very well might be. Like, Justin Fields is that downfield threat passer, and that always sounds like Lamar Jackson is a bad passer. That's not true either. Lamar Jackson is a perfectly good passer. Fields well, just that's all looks I was like saying. he might be elite at it. Fields, But Fields is a quarterback that can run. Right. Like that's what, what the difference is. Lamar Jackson is a running threat at quarterback who happens to be pretty accurate. Yes. Especially in the short and mid, mid-range games. But I also don't – like I said – Lamar's probably, unless you're t- arguing Vic, the best athlete to ever play that position. Right. Like, it, it's not – it's Looney Tunes, some of the stuff he can do. And obviously we have yet to see it work in the postseason, and we don't know how that kind of athlete, even dating back to Vic it, with the Falcons when he took them mm-hmm. to the NFC Championship game. We don't know how that style levels up yet when you are a eh, passer. Right. You know? So that I think we're getting a little sidetracked, but I, that was just kind of like the comp I'm using. He's basically t- think of any quarterback who's more athletic than you think, who doesn't want to run. Like, right? That's kind of who he is. He he's not just going to take off and run just because. And heck, like, Danny, and I, we I, may we may see them coach Fields to tote the pill a little more. Like he might be coached into it. You're absolutely it's gonna right. It's going to be a really because in or one thing that you see a lot in Ohio State is that anytime Ohio State took a holding call 
or they lost yards, they were completely unfazed. They knew they could go get it back, right? That third and 22, they've got Justin Fields. They've got a core of receivers that's just ridiculously deep. They're going to be, they're not going to be like going to be fine, going to be fine, but they could easily find a way. That is much tougher in the NFL. Like, if you've got the option between a seven-yard sack and a six-yard scramble, take the six-yard scramble. Uh, And it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens because, obviously, you could easily see the Bears coaches just going, Justin, Justin, this is the NFL. Like, you don't have to prove anything to anybody. If you don't see it downfield, take the yardage. We'll get another down. I'll get you another shot play. But I don't know. I mean, we watched. But isn't it also kind of like the reason, like, he felt like such a perfect fit with Nagy? If yes. you really go and dissect his film, like Ohio State and Ryan Day is literally ch- touchdown or checkdown. There is no middle game, really. It's right. it, it's bombs away or here. Take your six yards. And I, I feel <laughs> like I have to jump in, if only to say, Danny, that a lot of people, Chris Sims has been one of the louder voices about Justin Fields doesn't go through progressions. That's not true especially as the season gets later, you can clearly see Fields going through progressions and going through them well, if I might add. Not even trying to talk about, like, blue and... The progression thing is just he holds on. He waits and and waits to see if that... And, and, you know, it's hard to... It's probably hard to coach that out of him at Ohio State because the targets are so good. Right. When you're throwing the first-round picks, it's okay to hang on a little bit. Especially when like, you're playing Rutgers and Indiana and other teams. That was actually the thing I was going to bring up about Rutgers. Like, yeah, he's evading sacks, but it's also it's not like he's evading all American defenders at Rutgers. Sure, <laughs> but it, it is like that's the complicated part. I can't wait to dive even deeper into Fields' film so that I can start to really understand. Because I need to go back and rewatch and rewatch. I don't think you Indiana. understand how much I've enjoyed just in, not watching college tape for a minute. <laughs> no, please don't. But let's. You talked about how we were getting sidetracked. Let's make it clear why we're spending so much time talking about Fields is because his impact on the schedule could be anything. I mean, let's let's just hack off the first part of the schedule. Just Andy Dalton plays a solid 49ers team, and let's say Trey Lance looks solid, then I I probably think the 49ers beat us. In fact, they could probably paste us. It's you never know with that kind of thing. But Fields in the game, Fields playing well in the game, Bears have a shot. Fields playing well against the Ravens, Bears have a shot. Fields playing well against the Steelers. I think you were right. Andy Dalton could probably beat the Steelers. I think they're coming for a fall-off. So Justin Fields against the Packers in Lambeau. Bears have a shot. Bears in Seattle, 12th Man Stadium versus the Seahawks in December. Justin Fields, if he's the guy, Bears have a shot. Like a whole bunch of these games where, Danny, I think you would agree with me that this schedule is still the same gauntlet we talked about at the earlier part of the season. The difference is – when you have that guy at quarterback, your team gets a lot better fast. And you've seen it. I've seen it. The worst part about talking about offenses and offensive structures is that everybody points to the Kyle Shanahan's. Everybody points to the Sean McVay's. And they say, these offenses are amazing. And they ignore the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo will have a five-turnover game, that uh, Jared Goff will throw five interceptions against the Dolphins. And they'll say, ah, it's just because your quarterback's bad. And all I'm sitting here trying to say is that, unfortunately, we live in a world where a healthy offense looks like a healthy offense. An offense that can threaten deep 
that also runs the ball and has some success there, everybody points and goes, do that. But the Bears couldn't throw deep. Honestly, they couldn't throw beyond 20, 25 yards. Say what you will about Nick Foles' comfortability. I know I talk about it a lot, trying to paint the picture of we don't really know. But I'll, I'm more than willing to like cut the BS for a second and say the Bears could not throw effectively 30 yards downfield. They didn't have a shot at it unless no. they were down like 10, 12 points. No, they didn't. And with Justin Fields, that's just not true. And so what happens to the way defenses play Chicago when the when they actually have to cover those deeper parts of the field with Darnell Mooney? What happens to Allen Robinson when he has that kind of relief taken off of him and he's not getting double bracketed every single down? What happens to Anthony Miller? Honestly, what happens to Anthony Miller when he feels like he's got a quarterback that will find him instead of a quarterback that unless he is the guy in the play call, he's not going to get the ball? What happens so, to the running game? I do want to pose this question just because you brought it up. Do you, yeah. Am I the only one that finds it interesting that Anthony Miller's at rookie camp? Am I the only <laughs> one that finds this kind of interesting? Yeah, that it's a weird. Dude who's <laughs> in the, the fourth year of his NFL deal is in a contract year and has had some success in this league. Specifically, you go back to his first two years where I believe he caught eight touchdowns as a rookie, albeit on like 30 catches. But, like, I find that immensely strange. And we haven't heard anything about him other than the fact that he's there. Is he playing? I don't know what he's doing. But and then you and then you have I'm gonna be really harsh, Danny. I bet you he's just lining up. I bet you he's just all right, Anthony. Here's the play call. Line up. Like it's it's so (laughs) it's that's so hard. That's so harsh though. Because that's an indictment on him. It's just saying he's stupid. That's what he's doing. Or, or saying that he's, I don't know. I, I always hate putting the adjective on it, right? Like, is, right, it, is, exactly. it, is it lack of intelligence? Is it lack of effort? Is it lack of understanding? Is it the fact that the Bears have kind of, quote unquote, ripped up the playbook probably four times in Nagy's tenure? Always hard to tell because you just have to well, take and a that, look at when. That was the next thing I was going to bring up, but I'll let you finish your point. Point so. being that with Anthony Miller, uh, you've said it, I've said it. Anthony Miller is a ridiculous receiver talent. I mean, as far as contested catches, he makes catches that shouldn't he shouldn't, according to his size, that it remind me of Steve Smith. Like, he's competitive with the ball in his hands. He is a great anti-man route runner. If he could learn to settle into zones, he'd be even better. But he's also he also displayed the ability to do that his rookie year. We just haven't seen it click. Like, we, we the light bulb it, it's always been – it's always just felt like there's this weird – distance between Anthony Miller's talent and Anthony Miller's production. And we may never see it, you know, but the bears, including him on rookie camp could be them trying to find it here in his last year. But because I do, like I said, I just found it funny because I know I'm higher on Daz Newsom. I understand that. And it's for all the reasons that of not other bears. fans. it's because I think he, I think I know what he is. (laughs) <laughs> and I know what he can do. And it's like the anti, it, like Miller. Miller is everything I think I know like he can do. And it's like all projection. With Daz, it's just like, yeah, this is the antithesis. He does everything a little bit well. Is he a great athlete? No. Is he great? Right. No. And again, I'm not even convinced Daz makes the team. But it's just interesting that they're both there, and you're hearing all these sterling reports coming out about how Daz looks with his with fields hey. and we just we just know that 
Yeah, Ant's here. I got an idea <laughs> for you, Danny. Here's here's one. You've seen Miracle on Ice, right? One of the better sports uh, movies ever made. Yeah. You remember when – I can't remember the kid's name, but you remember when Coach Brooks brings in that guy from Minnesota who, out of absolutely nowhere, like after the, most of the yeah. tryouts, uh, I think his name was Timmy, that he's an objectively good player. They bring him in. Team ends up talking to Herb, Herb and they're like, no, this guy can't make the team. He's, he's not part of the family. Like that whole scene, that bit. Yeah. Maybe there's a little bit of, hey, Anthony, come on over to rookie camp. Watch this Daz Newsome kid with Justin Fields. You know, that could be you. But, uh, but right now it's not. Right now it's Daz. What are you going to do about it? Maybe, maybe there's an element Trying to of light the proverbial fire under his Sparking ass a competitive thing. fire. Exactly. The whole like, hey, your yeah. job is not given to you. This is a competition. So are you going to win it? Because I'll tell you what, when I watch Anthony Miller compete with a man, like on the football field, he has beaten some of the best corners and just made it look silky smooth. There are moves, and I think really highly of Darnell Mooney, there are footwork moves Anthony Miller can make that Darnell Mooney just can't. And obviously Darnell right. Mooney's also a lot faster than Anthony Miller, so there's some give and some take between them. But as far as beating, like, I personally keep looking at those routes that Darnell Mooney ran against uh, – against Jalen Ramsey, because a lot of people talk about how Darnell Mooney just cooked Jalen Ramsey. And I swear to you, man, it's just Ramsey defending the flat because he knows a blitz is coming home. It it's is. unmarked. It's 100% and, that. And so he's it, just got to cover cool the short highlight. throw. And right. it, it, I'm not sure if you saw that, but he actually commented on that specific Instagram post that blew up. And he goes, Darnell had no catches against me. What yep. are you talking about? Right. <laughs> and that's, and that's, Literally, and I know people, well, you know, the eye in the sky don't lie. Yeah, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. He didn't catch a ball that game. It's over. The- he was he was getting played out. I mean, it wasn't – that makes it sound like Darnell Mooney didn't beat Jalen Ramsey. That's actually not what we're saying. We're saying that Darnell Mooney never got the chance to because the offensive line couldn't stop a blitz. Right. Nick Foles couldn't evade any pressure. A whole amalgamation of things came together Good to say, word. Darnell, Darnell Mooney did not catch a ball because regardless of how open he was, the Rams knew the quarterback couldn't get it to him. Obviously, you hope that changes with fields. But in a one-on-one setting, I trust Ant Miller a little more, like true man-on-man and not giving his route away. Like Anthony Miller ends up with guys on the turf. I've seen it every single season. We've all like, seen it. This Anthony Miller <laughs> is the guy – Robert, you remember I kept saying he's the X factor. If <laughs> he could just uh, be used, and it's like, what? And what was the conclusion we always came to? He's a broken play wide receiver with a quarterback who can't, with two quarterbacks who can't go off script. Right. Just, <laughs> it's, it's just the nature of it. Mitch couldn't go off script because he couldn't read a progression, and Foles just couldn't move. Right. Like, and and the one time we got the off script where he's like, hey, run to the L and Falcons and I'll, the ball will be there. Like, that's the one time we have it all year last year. And it was a behind, you know, victory. <laughs> right. I, so it's not to say that Miller can't play. I think Robert and I would both agree that he's a very talented player who I just, it, you know, like so many other unfortunate stories of prospects in every sport. The talent may just never lead to the returns, and that's just the nature of it. Yep. It sucks. We'll see what happens. Obviously, again, if all the stars align, I think 
that this Bears team, like working off of a cloud, I always try to come up with a cloud of like wins and losses. I think their floor is probably six wins. I think they could grind six wins out even against a tough schedule. Like this, this Bears team, we, I know you saw it, Danny, this Bears team got a lot of flack for not just finding a miracle in free agency, right? Like we right. didn't trade for Russell Wilson. We suck. And there's some truth to it. I mean, we're not a Super Bowl team, but they're not so bad that I look at a schedule full of a lot of teams that are going to be really good. I mean, obviously games with the Packers, assuming AR-12, uh, the 49ers, the Buccaneers, the Seahawks, those will always be tough games. But then there's a whole bunch of toss-ups. The Bengals spent a lot of money in free agency, but that doesn't mean that I think that they're amazing yet, but they could be really tough. Lions got a new coach, but they've been bad also- for years. We well, also don't know how Burrow's going to be upon return from that ACL, a guy who is already a pretty limited athlete. Right. I mean, who is now coming on a reconstructed knee. Bears get two <laughs> Vikings games in the late part of the season. And if the Vikings' wheels fall off and Kirk gets disappointed, who knows what that locker room is going to be like? I mean, there are a million ways that the Bears could pick up wins, even if, quote unquote, they don't matter, right. just like the ones last year. So seven feels like the floor to me. Like, my my six or seven. You said is six, is six the floor or seven the floor. You you changed the number. Ah, uh, you know what? Let's go with six. Six is the floor. <laughs> I, I think, but I do think they could reach up to twelve. Like I don't think the spread here is that tight. I think that if Justin Fields gets in and becomes that guy, especially if things like Aaron Rodgers trading out of the division, X Y player Tom Brady maybe gets injured in the first six contests in the NFL, like. The Raiders don't play very well. The Browns fall right. apart. You you just never know what storyline it's going to be when all of a sudden, I mean, let's go back to 2018. What was it? The Bears beat the Rams and nobody saw it coming because nobody expected that Rams offense to get shut down like that. Uh, then in preceding years, as we've played the Rams every year, the Bears kind of seem to have the Rams offensive number. Now it changes a lot with Matthew Stafford, not Jared Goff, but all of them getting just, a legitimate NFL quarterback. That guy, right? <laughs> but but just, just getting like, him where I am at. I feel like they could could being the operative word go like twelve and five, maybe win a division, especially if Aaron Rodgers transfers out. But realistically, I think the Bears are looking at eight to nine wins, like. A very medium season so, yeah. where everybody looks yeah. at development. Uh, I'm with you. I, I actually am kind of viewing this through the lens of this is, I think, so let me preface this by saying, I think both Pace and Nagy are here three more years minimum. They have to see this through. And I think Ted Phillips trusts, or not Ted Phillips, I think George McCaskey trusts them to do so. Whether you agree with that thought process or not, when you gave them the next quarterback, you gave them more years. That's just the nature of it. Um, but I'm kind of with you. I think the floor is five, maybe six wins, probably closer to six. I don't know if I see 12 just because I, I, I view, I've come to view the Aaron Rodgers thing a little bit like, like Russell Wilson, where he, he's here through this year, I think at this point, but this is the last year in said destination and said town. Inside city, however you want to say I'll, it. I'll come back and remind um, you of that when the Bears are lining up against Blake Bortles on October 17th. Uh, excuse you, if they're not – well, that'll make them look real bad if they <laughs> aren't starting Jordan Love after he got the year of rest. Or, right. Or, but 
Um, the last thought I have on schedule before I think you and I are both in agreement that we move on to our final thoughts on the show. Um, I do find it interesting that they are lined up for so many primetime games. And I'm not just talking about week one. It's almost as though the NFL is anticipating that Dalton is going to start the season. And then here comes number one, the young kid from Ohio State to take over the reins from the struggling Andy Dalton. Because if you look, that's kind of how the schedule plays out. That in the second half of the year, they're playing these primetime games or later afternoon games. And it's almost like they're banking on it, you know? I just found that the that was the one interesting thing about the schedule release I found because, like I said, whatever we already knew who they were playing. What I always find funny is that it feels like people put these like prime time games right, and they're like Thursday prime time, Sunday night prime time, Monday prime time, as if somehow those three p.m. games aren't huge games. I'm not even trying to. I hope this doesn't come across like. Well, that's I, why I said the you know, three p.m. games. Right, like three o'clock kickoffs too. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Those, like that bear, that Bears uh, Raiders game three p.m. That Bears Bucks game three p.m. Like those America's Game of the Week games, those get some pull. And obviously, it's not great for content creators because it mean. I mean, obviously, the later the game ends, the later later we start. Um, so yeah, we're, I know Jake well, said no something about that on anyway, Twitter, Robert. So, but whatever. moving into final thoughts, <laughs> you mentioned it well. I'll go there. I think the craziest part, you said this uh, a while ago in the chat, Jacob, uh, that this uh, my is, name is a not Jacob, season. Sir. I know, <laughs> the chat. Uh, but, this, or Jacob, you talked about how oh, you've been oh, a okay. fan for 31 years. You can't remember <laughs> a more hopeful feeling for the future than after this offseason. I'll tell you 100%. that this season right now, the weirdest part about it is that I just don't know what direction it's going to go in, and there's only so much projection we can make. What offense are the Bears about to run? I, I, don't, I don't know. Who's going to start the season? I'm not really sure. Who's the wide receiver three? Not really sure. How's Jimmy Graham going to look in, a, in an offense that could potentially throw downfield? Uh, you, you tell me. Like, what's the running back room going to look like? Great question. How's Khalil Herbert? I mean, there's so many questions I could ask, and those are just the offensive ones. The defense is completely changing up what they're doing. How's Eddie Jackson back in his old role? How is Deshaun Gibson in a Fangio-style defense? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This season will be incredibly entertaining, and that's what it's all about to me. I, I know there are some fans that are just like all aboard the Super Bowl or bus train, and sometimes, I mean, I rode that train for a little while, but... I feel like it can be uh, it can be one that leaves you frustrated. I want to see the Bears win games. I want to see the Bears compete. I am hopeful here, Danny, that this Bears team, Justin Fields or Andy Dalton, but Justin Fields eventually, won't be in those awful 17-13 to 13 grind fests where the, the other Ugh. team puts up 17 points and you say, okay, the game's over now. And it's like there's a quarter and a half left. But you just know nothing's changing. And if we can get away from that one way or another, I, I've always been an optimist. I have always been an optimist to the point of making myself very sad sometimes. But <laughs> Matt, Matt Nagy took Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, Chase Daniel, and assembled a winning record against admittedly pretty easy scheduling. But the Bears beat the teams they, weren't, they were supposed to beat pretty consistently. And they lost to the teams that were often just flat out better than them. 
I think you could play that 2019 Saints game a hundred times over and the Saints win all of them. Like they were a better team than we were. And I look at this and I look at this team and I can't help but think maybe the Bears could find a little bit of magic here. Maybe the like the coaching rotation isn't always as simple as like Cleveland adds Stefanski, Stefanski good, Browns good. That a little bit of experience that Matt Nagy's built up dealing with Trubisky, et cetera, can bleed off in a good way on Justin Fields. And that big old smile we see on these Zooms can turn into something, even if it's in 2022 or 2023. I don't know. This is a great time to be a fan. And we're going to do everything we can here on the Rule of Three, on RPO, on Windy City Gridiron, to try to keep things as objective as possible so that we don't end up taking a hype train off a cliff and everybody crashes together. But this... This is a pretty good time to be hyped because the more I watch Fields' tape, the more I hear about the practice stuff, it feels like the Bears got a miracle. Like out and of earth. This, this is where game. Robert is now starting to feel like where I was at since last year and saying, This dude is the number one pick in any other draft class that doesn't have Lawrence. Yeah. Like this this guy is awesome. And I think the NFL just talked themselves out of it. So how does that make you feel, Danny? What are your final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts, kind of touching on what you were saying. Um, if you can catch magic, one of the parts of it is always going to be, say Fields comes in, I don't know, week four or five. I don't know why. I'm just saying it. I, I Like I said, I could just as easily see him, see him trot out there to take the first snap of week one because he just blew, the, blew everyone out of the water in camp. That's a very real possibility. I don't know what's going to happen to kind of – you know, <laughs> reiterate your thoughts. Like, I don't know anything at this point because to say you do would be foolish. Right. But, um, like, I, going back to the old saying that was brought up by me earlier, the eye in the sky doesn't lie. Well, at a certain point, the NFL only has college tape on Justin Fields. The Bears aren't doing what Ohio State's doing offensively so far as we know. It's not going to be that style of offense, really. They'll have wrinkles, obviously, because it'll make a comfort level or whatnot. But I'll, I'll akin it to a couple years ago when we had Minshew Magic. There's going to be like five to six weeks of film that the NFL is just going to be trying to work off of, and it's not a large enough sample size. It's why, it's why Minshew is so good to start. And mind you, I'm saying this because Fields is – a hundred times the prospect Minshew ever was, ever was. And so you're, you're now factoring in, like, they're now trying to adjust. You should, in theory, if you bring him in, even in the beginning of the year, you should have four or five weeks of just being able to utilize everything. Just throw, throw out everything out there and just see what works because no one knows what to expect. And then you, I have faith in, fields to adjust to the adjustment as it were when oh they know know what you do well well okay fine i can do this too though it's like the same thing as the idea of robert musher how much baseball you watch but um they say you don't know what a hitter is until he gets 100 plate appearances to know his weaknesses his strengths and where to throw them and where not to throw them right it's the same thing with a quarterback what can he do what can he not do it takes probably six to eight games it's why right when – it's kind of funny. Right when you got halfway through Minshew's magical run, all of a sudden it's like 
<laughs> like, oh, he can't do certain things. Make him do the things he can't do. And it's it's kind of like that. that's part of what can lead into that magic, as it were, that you're alluding to. So I agree with you. You can capture some magic. I don't know. Obviously, I'm not – I, I want to make clear, just I'm very excited about this, obviously. And I just don't – and I don't think the magic, as it were, would be unsustainable because of the level of talent and the acumen that Justin Fields has. And my 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 true last final thought, you kind of touched on it. I don't know what the offense is going to be either, but my best guess is they're not going to do what McVeigh and Shanny do. He's not – Matt Nagy is not that guy. He's a, <laughs> he's an he's an Andy Reid clone. He wants to be Andy Reid. <laughs> Andy Reid doesn't do much of that. I think. To, go ahead, Robert. The more I keep watching Danny, the more I wonder. Like we've heard a lot of people talk about how stubborn Matt Nagy is. You've said it yourself. I am very curious to see what reaction will be. If Justin Fields comes in, the Bears are still rolling him out. The Bears are doing a lot of the things that they did with off or with Ohio State, and the offense looks a lot more like that McVay Shanahan sort of thing with off or outside zone, split the field, roll out, just a little more evolved than what Trubisky was able to execute. And whether that sure. will change perceptions about Nagy, or or to be totally fair, and he challenges my perception of him, he just takes it back to West Coast, and whether it works or not. He just goes back to his roots, you know? You know what I think he, it's going to devolve to? Just as an educated guess based off of, uh, again, I've said so many times on the show, Matt Nagy was the dude I wanted. They got him. And I've been rightfully critical of him at times, as you well know. I think it's going to be some version of the 2017 Kansas City Chiefs with a multiple zone run game where they're doing inside-outside because they officially have, like, a completely like different set of running backs, and completely. I completely, yeah, like it's it's. I feel like it's going to be by committee, and I know this fan base loves Montgomery. I know they love. Him. I love him too, but I don't think they want to give him that kind of share anymore because that beats you up. That ru- runs you into the ground. They have Damian Williams now, who's a legitimate NFL running back. They have Khalil Herbert now. They have C.J. Marable, who I think may challenge for a roster roster spot. You can't forget about Artavis Pierce. All of a sudden, the names start getting four and five deep. And you, they all do little things a little bit different. And I, I think they're going to go to a multiple zone running team. Again, it's all a guess based on just personnel and what we know about Nagy. But go look at uh, – Robert, I'm not sure if you've done it, but go watch. It's the final year of Alex Smith. Go watch the 2017 Kansas City Chiefs. It's a lot of play action. It's a lot of bombs away with inside zone and outside zone scattered throughout. Mm -hmm. That's what I think they're going to do to try to implement it with fields. It's a guess. I might be completely wrong. And if I am, I'll say it. I don't mind being wrong. But (laughs) it's just like the best guess of what I think he wants to do. Right. And then eventually, I think it's going to evolve into, like, I truly believe at his heart of hearts, the week one game plan in 2019 against the Packers. I think that's who Matt Nagy wants to be. Just right. with a quarterback who can operate. But, yep. you know, t- only time will tell, right? 
Only time will tell, and it'll be really interesting to see what happens. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. It'll be interesting to follow. We'll try to keep it as week to week as we can. I know we are coming up on the part where our best information is OTAs, and we're already hitting that point where the Bears are trying to control the flow of media spread. So we'll see what we can find out. But until then, we'll find ways to keep it interesting. Danny, where can folks find you online? Let's close this out. Oh, you can find me on the Twittering thing at Dan. Me and the last name is spelled M is in Mary, E-E-H-A-N is in Nicholas with the numbers nine zero at the end. Perfect. Oh. Yeah. What about you, Robert? Where well, you, you find You can find me at Robert K. Schmitz on Twitter. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. You can find me on YouTube at Run Pass Opinion, Windy City Gridiron, Writing, Podcasting, etc., etc. And until next time, Bears fans, bear down. And thanks so much for hanging out.